0: Post edit Jesse Starcher coming at you here. This episode is the final installment of Benjamin J. Cologne and myself covering Spider-Verse. And we get right into the conversation and pick up where we left off. So if you haven't had the opportunity to check out the previous episode, make sure to go back into the archive, find it, and give it a listen, because we waste no time hopping right into the story on this episode. So I hope you all enjoy our final discussion on Spider-Verse. That synopsis is coming up, but first let me talk about Amazon Music. If you're looking for a good platform that can fill those musical needs, Amazon Music has you covered. If you head to getamazonmusic.com/w2mnetwork, you can get a free 30-day trial where you can check out over 70 million songs. That's getamazonmusic.com/w the number two network for that free 30-day trial. So when Pete is finally able to decipher the scroll Spider-Woman sent him, thanks to the 616 Spider-Girl, which is Anya Corazon, if I remember correctly. Yep. Anya, yep. Uh, he reads of the prophecy of the Inheritor's downfall at the hands of a spider. And I think he says it's supposed to be happening in like in a hundred years. So this explains the Inheritor's ultimate goal. To use the blood of the bride, Silk, the blood of the other, Cain, and blood of the Scion, Ben for a ritual to end any more spiders being created throughout the web of life and destiny, this ensures no spiders will be around to challenge the inheritors in the coming century. Uh, in a series of events, Kane faces off with Solus on Loom World, and uh, yeah, kills him pretty easily. <laughs> <laughs> Solace, this big badass, Christ. there's there's a fight, but uh, Kane turns into this massive mutant spider and just kills him outright, but Moreland's able to kill Kane uh, in the process and put killing quotes there, uh, giving the inheritors the blood of the other. Also, unbeknownst to Pete and the rest of the crew, Silk and Spider Gwen decide to head to Loom World to try to rescue Spider Woman and eliminate the ways for the inheritors to travel realities. However, Verna, Bora, and Bricks find them and capture Silk, giving the Inheritors now the final piece of the ritual, the Bride. Soon after, Pete discovers Silk has left, believing that she just delivered herself to the enemy, he gathers his forces to take the battle to Loomworld to fight the Inheritors. When they happen upon the Inheritors mid-ritual, they are able to stop Deimos from drawing the blood of the Scion, Baby Ben Parker. During the fight, Uncle Ben escapes through a portal just as the Inheritor outcast Karn arrives from another to help the Spider army when Deimos takes another stab at baby Ben it's my favorite moment of this book Oh, yeah. <laughs> out of the blanket jumps a very naked spider ham. It's revealed Ben Parker, Spider-Man, who everybody thought ducked out of the fight. It's it's revealed that Ben Parker, Spider-Man, took Baby Ben back to his own world, that of Mayday Parker's. Just then, Miguel O'Hara and Lady Spider appear with the repaired giant robot of Leopardon, and Leopardon, however you're going to say that, as the battle intensifies to the horror of everyone. Superior Spider-Man, Spock, if you will, goes off script and kills the the Master Weaver. Like, straight up just myrtleizes him. Incensed, Morlin attacks Pete and has him nearly beaten, sucking his life force out of him. In a desperate move, Pete opens a portal into the radiated apocalyptic world. As the two land hard on the ground, Morlin is petrified to realize where they are. Pete then tells Morlin where the bunker is and that if he wants to survive, he needs to run and find the shelter because Pete is leaving him there. As the battle winds down, the Spider Army rounds up the rest of the Inheritors and drops them in the same reality as Moreland. With the war over, Pete and the rest of the spiders rest to heal their wounds. So that is the rest of of this story the finale if you will of spider verse so i I already said what my favorite part of this whole book is and that is spider ham (laughs) pretending to be baby ben parker and i think there may even be a pig in the blanket joke at some point in there.
1: peter makes it because he has to be the one to make it
0: Ah, it's so good (laughs) you
1: got fooled by a pig in a blanket
0: (laughs) (laughs) so good so don't get me wrong this story had so much weight to it there was a lot of weight to it and there's a lot of things that happen in this final two issues you know i do not want to step on any toes here uh so you bring your notes forth sir what do you have to say about the final two issues and
1: you know as far as the spider man the spider ham scene like that's (laughs) that's that's just great that's just a lot of fun (laughs) I've talked i uh, I've talked a lot about you know the things about Dan Slott's writing that, that rub me the wrong way, but one thing is you know that I will say is a you know Slott tries to keep that balance between the you know the the uh, the heavy handedness and the heavy storytelling. And a lot of lightheartedness. And, you know, that's why Spider-Ham got pulled in. And also because he's just a part of, you know, Spider-Man history that you just couldn't ignore if you tried. Oh, no way. I think a lot of people would have been very upset if he wasn't in the story. And if he wasn't as big a part of the story as he was... But it's the same thing like, you know, like Guardians of the Galaxy, like the like the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Nobody was convinced that, you know, that anybody would have any kind of emotional attachment to, you know, a gun toting talking raccoon and, you know, an eight foot tall talking tree. Yeah, And it turns out, if you're a good enough writer, if you can tell a good enough story, you can make somebody care about just about anything. That's the truth. And the thing is, if you can make them care, you can make them care about anything. You can make them care about, you know, you can make them care about a cartoon pig. You That's right. You can make them care about, you know, a Japanese, you know, Mecha. You can make them care about, you know, you know, uh, a Spider-Man that has six arms. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can make them care about clones. You can make them care about, you know, uh, Secret agents agents about pirates about you know all kinds of off-the-wall shit that happened in this story and all the things around it it's all just character and and my friend and yours sean comer god bless him he brings this up repeatedly because i've told him more than on more than one occasion you know there's no bad characters just uh bad writers or writers or writers that write characters badly if you're good enough, you can make you can make your reader care about just about anything. You just gotta find that thing. And we're you know we're professional wrestling fans, and and the same thing goes for you know stuff like that. A gimmick can be crap, and if you can if you're good enough, if you're a good enough performer, and you've got a good enough story backing you, you can still make people care. Fighter Ham was a ridiculous conceit, and it was a ridiculous concept. It was based on a ridiculous comic book in the '80s. But you know what? That scene spoke to a lot of people, not just you and me. Trust me. I was on, like I said, I was online when this series came out. There were a lot of people that that scene was like a big, like, stand up and cheer type moment. Nice. Very nice. And it was because first of all, Spider-Ham had a little bit of that cred from the 80s, but also because he was treated not as a complete joke in this story. That's right. The the idea of having a cartoon pig as you know one of the alternate universe Spider-Mans, that's inherently ridiculous. The thing is, you don't live in that ridiculousness all the time. You acknowledge it, and you get past it, and you move on, and you move on with the story, and now he's a part of the story. That is one thing that Slot did that was very good, and that's what allowed for this reveal to be as awesome and ridiculous <laughs> and awesome and ridiculous back and forth as it was <laughs> there, the, he's throwing a lot of stuff at you at the end of the story this story this this final part of the story was a little bit more rushed than it probably should have been they could have gotten at least one more part out of this and, and yeah i it, agree let it breathe let it breathe a little bit more i agree But the reveal, like you at first think that, you know, you know, older Ben Parker uh, was going to cop out and give up again. But it turned out he was actually saving the baby's life, which was a cool reveal. Oh, man. He fled back to, you know, Mayday's uh, universe and ended up saving her brother. After all, once again, this might have been benefited from that exchange and that story that, you know, friends and and DeFalco had made in in the Spider-Verse issue that might've benefited from being in the main amazing Spider-Man series, even if it was a back, you know, a backup story, like a side story, it would have benefited from that because that was a story that probably should have been read by more people and seen by more people. It was important. It was, it had more bearing on what came after it because then that makes it all the more impactful when you see, like you first think that, Oh, you know, the old man copped out on everybody and the old man sitting, you know, you know, Ducked out to save his own life, and it turned out no. He turned out, you know, he ended up doing the heroic thing and saving the baby. Yeah. And executing the plan, and executing the plan when it mattered the most, and which was. Uh, something that you know, Mayday didn't think he was
0: capable of doing. It probably didn't even occur, you know, occur to her. And- I assume. I assume it happens in the epilogues, which I didn't. You know, I didn't synopsis do a synopsis for those. But I love how that story kind of wraps up with the fact that he decides to live in the Mayday Parker universe along with Mary Jane. Mayday and you know baby Ben you gotta think that is a great way to kind of send that universe off now Mayday has a grand grandfather that as far as she knew was well I mean she was he was dead I assume her father got killed yeah Deimos killed her father so yeah they mentioned that you know because you're meant to believe that everybody
1: died in you know when when May fled with her brother Okay, MJ ended up up living. I think, you know, her boyfriend in that series ended up living. Peter didn't make it out alive, but he sacrificed himself to save them.
0: Okay. All right. But yeah, you know, it's cool to see that family kind of come together and Ben decide to stay there to kind of be a grandfather to Mayday and her brother. And I, I I loved it. There's also, you know, May in in the final part of the, you know, Spider-Verse
1: proper. There's this whole throughout the entire throughout the entire story, there's this whole thing where like you know uh not only am i gonna get my brother back but i'm getting revenge on I mean oh uh, she's gonna yeah she's planning on she's killing. dead yeah she's dead set on finding Damos and killing him yeah. and at the very end not only does she not kill him they find out like jennyx actually kind of like distills solace's essence like into a crystal and he says like you know eventually we could clone him we can always clone him another body and put his his uh, his consciousness into into another body as long as we have this crystal mayday at some point during that final battle ends up getting a hold of that crystal and like she's you know she's torturing him with it she's like threatening to like, yeah. smash crystal and peter has told her previously and kind of reiterates like you know we're heroes and we don't do that spider-man's no one has to die morality kind of is, is gets controversial from time to time mm-hmm. I think in this story it comes from a it comes from a place of his own uh moral code but it also comes from it, it's also kind of practical in that he has all he also says in the story like we've already tried to kill the inheritors and it doesn't work so how about we find different how about we find a better way mm-hmm. to do it which is smart which is a little bit better than just the fact of you know we you don't, we're not going to kill anybody because I said so. Even though that's what it boils down to most, more often than not, even in this story. Mm-hmm. But he kind of has enough faith in May to kind of say, like, I know you'll make the right decision in the end. Yeah. That also runs through a lot of these other Spider characters that he hasn't had a whole lot of interaction with. Like, the, the this part begins with them, with Peter, you know, 616 Peter and all of his crew crashing, you know, Loom World. And you know Gwen Stacy and um, Jessica Drew and Silk are already there, and they're already fighting all of these inheritors and and their lackeys. Peter goes after, you know, immediately goes to Gwen because there's this underlying thing where he first discovers that you know Gwen Stacy is a Spider Woman from an alternate universe. And he feels a little bit, you know, almost like a older brother or a parents. Yeah, he's very protective. Protectiveness, mm-hmm. and they have a bond. When it comes to that, he's very protective of her. But at the end, he's about to go after, you know, all of these these green goblins that are attacking her. You know, Vera has the green, you know, the mutant green goblins that are her hounds. Yeah, they're attacking Gwen, and he immediately goes after them. And she's like, "No, I can save myself." And he's like, "All right." If she says she can she's got it, then she's got it. And she's got it. She ends up you know kicking their ass and, and it's pretty that's pretty cool. There's some growth there but for both of them. That's another thing. Peter's arc in the story as you know, finding out, not just becoming a leader, but kind of become like understanding what that means. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that means, you know, you gotta let your troops do what they do. You can't fight every battle for your soldiers, you know what I mean?
0: He steps up big time throughout the series. That, that was one of the things that had to happen with a story arc like this what is going to change for our main character and with Pete I mean it's kind of on the nose but and I think it happens in the ep- more in the epilogues you kind of get a better sense of what kind of ramifications this had on on Peter but he it, clearly the confidence his confidence begins to grow it's, it's starting he's a little bit more sure of himself oh, yeah. um you know this whole experience that he's gone through leading this army of spiders, pretty much, you know, trying to take care of the threat of Deimos, uh, the threat of Moreland, the threat of the inheritors. It's helped him grow as a person to where now... He, he can be more confident in what he's going to do from this point forward. Yeah, I think the whole story itself definitely had an impact on the character, which is what we needed. I didn't want this just to be something where, okay, Spider-Man and a bunch of Spider-Man get together and they fight somebody and that's the end. That, that would have been real easy to do, but make it matter. And it mattered, I think.
1: So. Yeah, and you also get, um, you know, of course, the only way this could have ended was, you know, Spider-Man one-on-one facing Marlon. You know, head to head and and the battle they have is pretty good. You know, Morlin comes very close to killing him. Yep. And Spider-Man just has that one ace up his sleeve where he teleports them both into into the nuclear fallout. I'll say this. Um, this also pops up actually in Spider-Verse team up, you know, that deals with, you know, Karin's backstory and I'll quote this. In the Spider-Verse team-up uh, issue, they, all, a bunch of these Spider-characters um, confront Karn and they, they actually try to get him to join their cause and join mm-hmm. their side because he is the outcast and he might be able to help them kind of turn the tide against his family. They mention something that's written in the scrolls about him. And the quote is, I, I wrote it down. So according to the scroll, you wanted to explore their beauty. Referring that's to the right. multiverse. You wanted to explore their beauty, record it, not bring death and destruction. If you know anything about Dancelot. You know, Dan Slott is a very, very, very big Doctor Who fan. Okay. If you've ever read his Silver Surfer run, his Silver Surfer run is basically Doctor Who. I
0: have wanted is this the is it Silver Surfer Black? Is that what it's called? No, or no that... That, that's what came immediately after. He wrote a very
1: solid Silver Surfer arc of multiple years that was very much in the spirit of, of Doctor Who.
0: Yeah, he had um, a companion and everything in that, right? yeah. Uh, yeah. All of that, I, yep. Yeah. And, I've you know, heard I've heard of what there there were wacky
1: planets and wacky aliens and life lessons, yeah. and it was all some of the best writing Slot has ever done. He's a big, big time Doctor Who fan.
0: Love it. This
1: seems like it's a reference to that. What's also a reference to that is if you you know you know anything about Doctor Who. Doctor Who is um, you know, the Doctor in Doctor Who is a character who is Very against killing enemies directly. Oh, yeah. But is not above enemies destroying, you know, allowing enemies to destroy themselves through their own arrogance or through their own hubris or their own sort of villainy. And that's kind of what happens here with Spider-Man and, and Moreland. He basically teleports them into the, you know, into the radioactive fallout. And eventually, you know, the other spider characters dump them into that, that universe as well. And he tells them, like, you don't have to die, but there's only one way for you to live. There's only yeah. one way for you to survive. There's a fallout shelter and we've marked, you know, the directions to get there. So if you want to live, if you want to survive this, you 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 know, the Radiation is going to kill you. If you want to survive, I'd suggest you start running. Get get going. You need to And then he just breaks out from there. And then, like, that's all he leaves them with. He's like, he just... And we find out in the epilogue, like, they won't die from starvation. There's animals they can feed on it's all like radioactive spiders yeah they're big mutant spiders which is some great poetic justice right there man (laughs) if you really think about it like they trap them on an irradiated dimension and the only thing they have to feed on is some mutant spiders yeah
0: the way those pages are drawn they look they're all eating these spiders they have these tiny little well these oversized spiders in their hands but their faces they they just look look so disgusting so (laughs) So (laughs) disgusting Like oh I can't oh, like, believe we gotta do oh, this. But there's plenty like, there to eat. It's just not gonna taste great. <laughs> well
1: played, Peter Parker. That was some. That was some more. That's some uncharacteristically ruthless uh, yeah, tactics right, devious, right there, man. <laughs> He didn't kill him. He did he not. He just you know he just gave him some very limited options for living. <laughs> which is okay. All right. You know. So that arc wraps up. Made deciding not to go the path of you know killing. She. Basically like the crystal that had like Solace's essence she also chucks that into the yeah into the radioactive wasteland for Demos to go go chase after so there's you know there's not there's there's slight mercy going on over there but there's not a whole lot a little uh, right before that Damos tries to thank her for like sparing his father's essence and she's like I didn't do it for you
0: yeah she's she's very intent on vengeance and then at the very end she decides not to do it because it's she decides to do the right thing uh, for herself and that's important when you are able to do that right thing it clearly means a lot to her that she doesn't uh succumb to wanting vengeance against this person. So one of the things we definitely I want to give you the floor for is uh Superior Spider-Man Bach going uh, all red wedding all over Master Weaver but I didn't see that happening and neither of course neither did anybody during the battle like everybody was like whoa wait a second <laughs> I kind of expected
1: something like that <laughs> I expected the heel turn at some point
0: Swerve, bro. at yeah.
1: some point I knew he was going to turn on everybody because you know That's at him. the end of the day he was going to he was going to try to save his own life. Mm. And the minute he found out, he found out earlier on that like, oh, wait a minute, this Peter Parker that I've been interacting with, you know, is not from my past. He's from my future. Which yep. means I'm not going to be Peter Parker forever. At some point, this guy is going to reclaim his, his
0: identity and his body. His realization that he's going to lose, he's just looking for any way to avoid it. And of course, the one thing that he lands on to try to avoid this ever happening is like, well, I'll just take out the dude that controls the whole web of life and destiny. Slits uh, his throat. Man. Won't have to worry about that now. Take that destiny. There you go.
1: Although it does actually, it does also lead to like after, even after he finds that out, uh, it leads to one of the better moments in the whole series where he, he actually gives like the, you know, get up and fight speech to, to, you know, old man, Ben Parker. Mm, That's yeah. pretty great. Like the speech he gives is pretty great because it's very much Otto Octavia speaking. He's like, you know, I've lost countless battles yep. and I always get back up and try again. It's, it's weird to see a pe- to hear a pep talk from the point of view of a supervillain. No kidding. But it's a great twist of that type of get up and fight type of, type of rallying thing. And it works. It works so well because like from the most unlikely source, it works, it, it works very well. You know, it ends up working, for Ben Parker because it gets it gets him going and it gets yeah. him motivated to put on the costume and, and join the fight which is great. But yeah, like Octavius kind of loses his mind at the end or, you know, maybe not even loses his mind. He becomes a little bit more like himself than he had been for a long time previously, which is, you know, when all else fails, he falls back on, you know, self-preservation.
0: Okay. And now by the end of this story, something happens w- where he gets transported back to uh, the correct time. Uh, and he so has Peter no drop kicks him into a portal. That's it. <laughs> <bad. laughs> He has no memory or he loses the memory of what happened. Does it does it come back at all this experience that he had? Does he they don't explore that anymore? Do they just wipe this experience away from him or does that come back at all that, you know, of? not
1: really, uh, because everything because once again, uh, Spock is transported back to an earlier period in the comic. Uh, Yeah. So he's transported back to a point in time that's already had that we've already seen in the comics. Uh, yeah. It's more like, you know, the way Superior Spider-Man ultimately ends is, you know, uh, the city is under attack by the Green Goblin. Everything that Octavius has done to try to stop him has failed. And he has absolutely no, you know, no recourse but to kind of like, you know, release uh, Peter Peter's body, you know, Peter's consciousness back into his body and kind of. Concede, and he literally tells him at the end, before like kind of fading away, he's like, you know, I finally realize you are the superior Spider-Man. He has a contingency plan for all of that that we find out later on. Okay, it involves clones. Uh, <laughs> you want me to give it away right? You want me to just, just come out and say it? Oh, tell me, tell me all about he, it. He cloned another Peter Parker body that he put his consciousness into. I'm very surprised. Yeah, no, <laughs> no you're not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. Well, you
1: know, I didn't read what led up to it. There's a whole arc after Spider Verse called the Clone Conspiracy, where we find out, like, you know, Octavius had the contingency plan to put okay his consciousness in and he had been growing another Peter Parker clone the whole time, and he had it as a backup plan. And if you notice, there's a there's one panel where's where after Peter knocks him on his ass, um, and before he kicks him into the portal sending him back in time. He kind of relays to his computer execute plan, whatever I forget what it was. That's it's right. Like, yeah. He looks you know, at hi- uh, hibernation
0: for like 100 days. Yes. That's yes, what yes, that's yes.
1: that's what that is.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Okay. That's I cool. knew that that was setting up something. That's why I was smart. Say
1: say what you will about Dan Slide. He can tell he he can set up a long-term story. Yeah, I'm alright with that. that that's he can, he, can, he can definitely set up a story where something will come up and you'll have to go back like five years to find the shit that he planted the <laughs> seeds of in advance and it's like what uh-huh really that's good that's okay. good stuff that's good writing yeah. like it. oh that's i mean like i said so it's, it's a very love-hate relationship i have with, uh, um, uh,
0: what else you got but, there
1: um just karn's redemption i guess you want you call it we find out that the uh, the Master Weaver is actually a future, future, past—I forget. Oh, wibbly wobbly timey wimey. A uh, fu- future or past version of of Karin himself. Mm-hmm. So you know, present day Karn actually ends up taking up the uh, the mantle of uh, you know the Master Weaver because apparently there has to be one at all times. You know, the, you know anybody can take the place. At one point, Silk volunteers to take the you know to to take his place. That Mm -hmm. doesn't, you know. Karin decides maybe this is the only way that I can redeem myself. And he takes up that uh, identity again, basically, kind of closing this weird time loop that uh he's created for himself Mm -hmm. it's a good reveal because at first you know because you hadn't seen his face up until that point under the big mask or big diving bell that he had uh, been underneath through the entire this entire series when you take the master weaver's helmet off which by the way it's a very subtle steve ditko you know homage i guess you call it Steve Dicko was very big on having you know, reveals of villains as being people that you had never seen before and it's just, he did that once or twice where it's like, you know, the big reveal is that this villain is this guy that you had that had never been seen before in any comic book previously because sometimes that's just how it is. Sometimes the, the reveal is that the bad guy is somebody you've never seen before. Okay, alright. That's kind of you know the way he played it. This was a play on that where when you first take off a ma- when they first take off the the helmet for the master weaver it's somebody that you've never seen before until karn takes off his helmet and it turns out that it's him same um, guy that's pretty good that that was well played i like that mm-hmm. and he you know he decides you know okay well this is you know the only way that i'm gonna get you know any kind of redemption back
0: what else you got there? Anything else on the final two? This was another, like,
1: misstep, and it was
0: another, like, drop ball. If you read everything in chronological
1: order by the checklist, this becomes a lot more obvious. Um, Silk apparently got abducted off-panel in between part six of Spider-Verse and where they last appeared, which is Spider-Woman number three. So mm-hmm. I'm like, that's that's just weak.
0: But okay. I'm trying to think of what happened. Like, I. the Spider-Woman
1: number three literally end, ends with uh, Spider-Gwen, Silk, and Jessica Drew about to fight pirates. OK. That is the last panel of that issue. That issue goes directly into Amazing Spider-Man 14, which is the last part of Spider-Verse. And immediately we find out Silk got abducted somehow. That
0: is weird. I'm there wasn't a
1: tie-in. There wasn't a side story. There wasn't a, you know, blurb. There wasn't anything like
0: that. Wow. Like, I, oh, I completely bitch, missed that. Wow. Well, I'm like, I'm, that's that's weak sauce, man. Yeah, that's, you can't. Uh, I mean, you've got these other issues to tell that story. That's why they're out there. I mean, if the, if not in this main thing, just like you said, either mention it or say, please see issue yada, yada, yada. and but
1: and there's a lot of there's plenty of that to go around too by the way there's oh my gosh there's asterisks out the ass in this, in this no kidding of every side issue in every side which is why I mentioned earlier it's very different experience when I first read this I only read the main Amazing Spider-Man issues I didn't read any of the side stories now this time I actually read the side stories and I'm like oh okay that was important that was probably <laughs> important enough to include in the main story wasn't it
0: yeah yeah I think they're even poking fun at themselves. I mean, you could tell, like, I think it was issue two where everybody splits off, you know, Asterix, go check them out in this, go check them out in that. And then like yeah. the third and final one is like, go check out Spider-Man 2099. Do you see a trend here? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're you're splitting the party up and we, we understand we're going into a different series. So the other thing I'll, I'll say
1: just personally for me, like to, to my kind of slight disappointment, Miles Morales was a little bit less more. It was a little bit a little more underused than I remember him being
0: in this story. Aside from being, and I, I don't want to call him comedic relief, but it, there isn't a whole lot of seriousness going on in the stuff that he's focused on. No, um,
1: no, that's 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 fair. You know, he plays his part, he kind of rallies some of the troops, whether or not the troops that he rallies makes any gigantic bit of difference <laughs> in this in this story It's
0: kind of up to up to be up for debate. <laughs> debate yeah, I mean, really, you, you look at it, the ultimate Black Widow, she a lot more weight in the story that she was in. Yes, um,
1: I agree, yeah. I agree with that. But I think Miles definitely could have been used better in the story, especially since. You know, he was a very hot character at the time. The only thing I can think of is, and I guess we're talking a little bit about the epilogue now, there, you know, as every different Spider character is kind of dispersing into their own separate universe, we hear about, like, you know, everybody's going to their own their own separate ways. The Master Weaver, like, you know, Karn after he, you know, present-day Karn after he assumes the Master Weaver identity... He starts saying, like, you know, a couple of you are needed in your own dimensions right now. Something's going on. Yes. They're talking about Secret Wars. Yep, yep,
0: yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. They're talking That's- about,
1: to, like, to, like, to, like, the 2015 or 2016 Secret Wars.
0: I remember Spider UK. That's the reason why he stays or, sticks around, because yeah. he tries to go back to his own world, and it's completely gone, and he mentions the incursions, which I know is what leads up to Secret Wars. So I knew we were just getting on the precipice of that. Happening.
1: Yeah, that's what that is. And the thing about that is, um, I read Secret Wars, I, you know, I read enough of that. It's an okay story. It's a very confusing story because it deals with multiverse stuff even more than this does. And it deals with it for the entire Marvel Universe. Mm -hmm. And it deals with very specific multiverses. Not sort of like, you know, all of these all encompassing you know, uh, different universes. Yeah. It deals with very specific, you know, uh, alternate universes. And one of them is the Ultimate Universe. Yep. I joke now, like knowing what I know now and what knowing what I've seen now and what I've read, I joke, but it's not really that much of a joke. That Secret War series was the most elaborate, expensive, and convoluted way to get Miles Morales in the Six Metrics <laughs> <Netflix> universe. <laughs> yeah. Because that is the only lasting effect I can I can see that happened from that. Miles Morales plays a much bigger role in Secret Wars than he does in Spider Verse. Oh yeah, yeah. He he's a big part of Secret Wars. Yeah,
0: I remember. Uh, but yeah, I'll agree with you. It seems like uh, Miles was uh, terribly underutilized, especially for a Spider Man crossover. That's, uh, I mean, my goodness. Especially Why for not? Twenty
1: first century <laughs>
0: Spider Man crossover.
1: Okay. No kidding. And also. So just considering Miles was obviously the main character in, uh, into the spider-verse to that movie's benefit that did more to bring miles morales as a character into the pop culture than anything else 100 percent. and i i adore that movie largely for that yeah that has given me an avenue to introduce not not so much introduce but kind of like reintroduce a whole other generation to spider-man I work in a place where my job involves me working with younger kids.
0: Mm-hmm. And,
1: uh, you know, we do like a movie night from time to time. I remember one one time uh, the movie night was Into the Spider-Verse. Oh. And I, I definitely sat in on that. I don't say, sit down on every movie that we watch, that, that we uh, screen for the kids. But I sat in I made it a point to sit in on that one. And the kids were just hanging on every moment of that movie. And I could not have been happy. Yeah, it's or, so good
0: to watch the kids could not have enjoy been happy their- like
1: that yeah dude just seeing how many kids just you know gravitated towards miles as a character um it it meant a lot it meant a lot to me as a spider-man fan it meant a lot to me as somebody who uh has championed miles morales as a character since since the beginning for sure uh, it was it was great you know spider-verse i, I won't say it did him a disservice I'd say the service that it did Miles was pretty uh neutral. Mm-hmm. It didn't it didn't, you know, it didn't damage his character in any way. I, I agree 100 percent I won't go so far as to say it damaged his character or anything like that. It's just, you know, he was kind of like, you know, shuffled off to the side a little bit. He had his he had his moments in, you know, the little Spider-Man, you know, Spider-Verse team up at issue. He got to interact with the 60s Spider-Man. That was pretty that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But it was what it was. It was, you know, it was a lighthearted kind of diversion. From the main story, he might have—you know—he could have played a bigger part in the main—in—in in this main star Spider Verse story. He ended up not doing that. I mean, that is what it is. I'm happy enough that he was basically the main character of the movie, which took this concept and kind of like just simplified it to the point where it was accessible to you know. The yeah, movie. you know,
0: it was one of those movies where I was so surprised at how well it was done when I was watching Me it. Me too, man. Like, uh, I, you know, it surpassed expectations. I,
1: I saw that. I ended up seeing, like, I, I saw that movie in the theater more than once. I know that. I, <laughs> I I took my niece to see it. My niece sees a lot of superhero movies with me from time to time. She, you know, she's, she's my, you know, comic book movie-going partner when I see her. She lives in Florida. I live in New York. I don't see her that often. But when we do, we try to, you know, make up for lost time. Yeah. And we went to see that movie and she knows what a huge Spider-Man fan I am. And the part at the end, like the, the part where, like, you know, Miles finally like puts on the costume and, you know, what's up, danger is playing in the background. And I'm like sitting in my chair and I'm like eight years old again. And my, <laughs> my niece is looking at me like, yeah, I understand.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I get <it. laughs> It hits an emotional, you know, it hits an emotional chord with that. If nothing else, this story definitely set the groundwork for a lot of that. A lot of these characters that got introduced in Edge of Spider-Verse, you know, got to have their time to shine. You know, Penny Parker got her, you know, and, uh, you know, Spider-Man Noir. Who I still imagine Nick Cage's voice when I read it when I read his parts. Of oh the comic. yes,
0: yes, uh, yes, yes.
1: And yeah, of course, you know Gwen Stacy, who who's another character who I think got a lot of like pop culture cred through that movie. You know, which may not have happened if she hadn't resonated so so strongly through the comic through the mm-hmm. Spider Verse Number Two. That was like that was like a lightning in a bottle type of moment. Like if you hadn't if you weren't reading comic. At that particular time, it's hard to describe, especially in this day and age where it's hard to get people excited about anything related to comic books in specific uh, until it's adapted for something else, until something gets adapted for TV or for a movie or for an animated show or for a miniseries. It's hard to get people excited about something just in comic book form. And, you know, Spider-Gwen really hit that in a way that hadn't been hit in a while. It was probably since Miles Morales, you know, made his, you know, uh, debut, you know, a couple of years earlier than that. Mm Mm-hmm and then the movie just pushed it, you know, forward. I had a nice gloat about that movie when it, that movie when Into the Spider-Verse won, won an Oscar because it did win an Oscar for best animated feature and it, you know, there was there was no contest with that. Yeah, I was going
0: but, to say I deserve it so.
1: But I remember all the little pocket arguments that I always that I used to have on Facebook years earlier about how, you know, all oh, Miles Miles Morales, Flash in the Pan character, he'll be gone in another couple of months if we a <laughs> you know, couple of years if not a couple of months he's you know he's pant he's a pandering character he's you know he's capitalizing on a trend he's this he's that he'll be gone in five years fast forward to 10 years after he debuts and he's in, he's in that's right
0: it's an oscar that's and I'm right like, Suck
1: that's, it. that's something man <laughs>
0: To anything left unsaid on Spider-Verse. If if we're talking final thoughts, if we're talking about what would be a good final thought for this, um,
1: just that the mark of a good story, at least a good story feature, you know, a good superhero story, a good hero story of any kind, is usually, I think, you know, this is me talking as, you know, somebody that writes less than I should, but more than most. hmm But... A good hero story should leave the hero at the end of the story in a better place than where they started from. And I think that's true. And, and when you have a story like Spider-Verse where there's dozens and dozens of different heroes, because each one of these Spider-Characters is, is a hero of their own universe... Some of them live, some of them die. Even when they die, they go down swinging. You know, some deaths are more grand and more dignified and more in depth than others. But all of them die trying to stand for something, trying to protect, you know, trying to protect, you know, the greater good or whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we got Peter Parker who realizes at the end that he can be a leader and he can be, you know, he can make a difference on a much grander scale than he ever thought possible. And yet, and, and at the same time, you know, the epilogue for uh, Spider Verse is him, you know, smacking down a purse snatcher, and that's how that story ends. And uh, it's funny, like you know, the person he returns the purse, the lady who returns yeah. soon is thankful and he thanks him and she's like he's like wait a minute am i still in the same universe (laughs) (laughs) he's actually grateful he's not used to it yeah (laughs) that's growth you know you know mayday parker learning that you know she can take that you know she can take the moral high ground and she can she can temper her own you know kind of thirst for anger and revenge and choose to do the right thing at the end that's growth. She, she you know starts out in a certain place and ends up in a better place than when she started. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know even you know uh, even some of the lesser utilized characters in this story. You know you've got Gwen Stacy and and Miles Morales who are not used as much as they could have been. Who are used much more in the movie, obviously, but they still have the arc where it's like you know they are capable of more than they thought they were. That seems to be the theme of this. Um, even, you know, villainous pieces of crap like, you know, Octavius, who have nothing but ill intentions for everybody, kind of realizes that they can be better than they than they thought they could be. Mm-hmm. We find out Ock has kind of a rocky road to that conclusion, you know, if you follow all of Superior Spider-Man. Uh, we find out his road to that realization is not as easy as some of the other uh, some of the other ones some of the other you know spider characters from some of the other universes but eventually he kind of gets there in, yeah. his own, in his own way like I said this this arc in general this this whole story it's not what it could have been I'm sure a lot of editorial played a hand in that and there's a lot of marketing and it played a hand in that mm-hmm. but there's there's a good story here, you know, at the heart of of what's going on and and that's just, you know, you know, becoming better than you thought you could be. Yeah. That's what it feels like. That's what it feels like all of these other spider men, women, monkeys, pigs, et <laughs> I think I think there's either an alligator or a dinosaur in there somewhere. Oh, yeah. Be- uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. probably. I, I I distinctly remember something like that. But anyway, <laughs> all of these characters kind of, for the sake of the greater good, become better than they thought they could be. That's pretty good. You know, that's a good arc in any in any kind of a story for sure Uh, we see it a lot it's just you know sometimes it's done better than other times in this in this case it's kind of hit or miss depending on the character we're talking about but and you know like i already said some of the tie-ins and some of the you know side stories and side adventures probably could have been factored in a little bit more importantly in the main story Mm -hmm. but Uh, I'll say this as somebody who, when I first read Spider-Verse, I only read the main six-part arc. It felt disjointed. It felt incomplete. It felt rushed. This time, I read everything. I read the entire checklist from start to finish. Mm -hmm. It It was a journey. But I think it helped. I think it put it put it gave a lot more context to the main six part story. That's right. Um, It felt more important. It felt more vital. It felt, you know, the characters that were involved felt more involved. You know, I, I, I'm not sure I'd recommend everybody read like all 22 disparate parts and not counting all the epilogues and all of the fallout and stuff like that. You know, it's a tall order for anybody, even for people that are used to reading that many, you know, that that you know, comic book stories that are that big. Yeah, but it definitely helps. We see a lot of the depth and a lot of the. A lot of the character development that kind of gets alluded to in the main six-part story gets like kind of greatly expanded upon. Yeah, in in all the uh, the surrounding material, I guess you call it. Yeah, so it's where if you're into that sort of thing, if you're if you're really reading, you know, any story in particular, not just comics, but any story in particular, if you're really reading for the characters, if you really want to get as deep as possible, if you want to get into deep character development. And, you know, motivation and all that good stuff. Um, it's worth it to read the Times, it's worth it to read the side stories, it's worth it to really kind of, you know, immerse yourself in that. It makes it a little bit more a little bit richer. It makes what happens to everybody and where they ultimately end up. And like I said, this is a story that one of the main themes seems to be, you know, all of these heroes finding it in themselves to Become greater than they than how they started out. Yeah. If you don't catch the journey that leads to
0: that, it doesn't you know it doesn't hit it doesn't hit exactly. Well. It doesn't it does well. just like we said specifically with Scarlet Spiders. There's a lot of weight. Yeah. And if nothing,
1: and if nothing else, if anybody wants to read Spider Verse, read Scarlet Spiders along with it.
0: Yes. Where
1: where it's appropriate to do so, like at the points where they kind of tie it back in. Read that at the very least because that needs to be included. I agree. Um, the whole arc with, with Kane and with Ben Riley and with 1610s um, with Jessica Drew, that's, if I had to call any other, like, side material indispensable to this story, that would be it. That's yeah, it. Check yeah. that out.
0: This all starts, I'm like, Ben, we got to talk about Spider-Verse. And Ben sends me a message and he says, I hate to do this to you, but you might want to check out some of the tie-ins. So, like, ah, tie-ins, okay, well, let's see what we got on on tap here. Oh, crap, it's 20 (laughs) issues. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Now, if anybody's been a long-time listener to the Source Material Comics podcast, Ben and myself and I think Jason Teasley got together and talked about Maximum Carnage way back in the day. So, that was, I think, and I think still at that point up till now... Was the longest series that uh, I had the chance to cover on source material. Counting these whole 22 issues, uh, which is the main 20 part storyline and the two epilogues that will now own easily the most issues covered in our discussion uh, on source material here. So that, that being said, I see the 20 issues and I'm immediately like, I, I immediately start to mutter curses as yeah. to, I'm going to have to read these and it's going to be a very long a very tedious process.
1: Jesse. Yeah. Je- yeah, remember when we thought fourteen issues was the tall order? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and do you now remember we, that <laughs> 22. 22. Yeah, Behind the curtain, here's what I do. I read the issue, I put notes together. That's what I did. And I knew that doing 22 issues was going to be very tough. We're what? I think we did Maximum Carnage probably in 2015 or 2016, something like that. So we're five years outside of that. I've got a little bit more podcasting under my belt. I've noted some issues and know how to do a conversation about them. So I'm... I'm like, I can do this. I can do this. And even though it was a daunting task, I enjoyed every little bit of it because even though there were some parts throughout the story where I was like, okay, well, maybe that doesn't matter so much. Why are we spending? At no point where I was like wanting to put an issue down and immediately stop it. I was able to get through all 20-some issues really within two days. And that's, uh, you you know, you talked about people who are used to reading (laughs) comics and uh, and, and big story arcs like that. I, I guess I'm used to doing that. But I've never sat down and read 22 issues in a row. I will. I don't think I've ever done that in my life. Like in two days? No. Never done it. Well, i um, mentioned
1: this again. We talked about the... I, I mentioned this uh, I think when before we started recording but, uh, you know, I basically spent my whole day at my day job today <laughs> reading most of the second half of the, this whole Spider-Verse checklist. Yeah. I did very little else at my job. I... Luckily, <laughs> it was a slow day. Otherwise, I'd have been in big trouble today. <laughs> I, I, I mentioned, like, somebody could have come in and robbed the place, and I wouldn't have noticed. I was just too busy. I was just too busy reading.
0: <laughs> had your yep, you had your nose in the book. I understand, but yeah, I mean, uh, overall for myself, I I enjoyed the story. I know I mentioned this at the beginning. It checks boxes for me. You, you know, we have alternate realities going on. We got all these Spider-Man, Spider-Woman, Spider people uh, coming together, and trying to face off with this big threat. So I felt very much at home in the story itself. I loved the art. I love the art of the main book. I, there is some specific stuff that happens in other books where they they are using some of the art style of like daily newspaper. I loved how a lot of the creative teams throughout these books were able to kind of mesh those things together, even in the Spider-Verse itself. I mean, we got 67 Spider-Man who joins the joins the team and they draw him like 67 Spider-Man. on the Looking, at right yeah. Looking at it right now. Yeah, right <laughs> now. It's beautiful. So it's, it's <laughs> that really speaks to me. So I was I was so excited excited to get in here and, and talk about it and actually get a chance to read it, and I'm glad I did. And Benjamin, of course, I'm glad to have you along on the ride with me to talk about Spider-Verse. And I want to close this out by asking you, I mean, again, the trailer just dro- dropped in real time for us a couple days ago for the new Spider-Man movie, which is called No Way Home, if I remember correctly. Is that right? No yep. Way Home?
1: Yep, No Way Home.
0: No Way Home. So I know that i'm excited (laughs) because uh just from seeing one person they didn't even have to reveal like all the villains they just showed one full villain and some allusions to the others but i'm excited for the movie tell me what your thoughts are on no way home my immediate thought when i first you
1: know when i first saw it was it's it's gonna be a long next four months (laughs)
0: <laughs> um, Sit here and wait. <laughs> so,
1: this is a message specifically to future me. Um, I hope it was worth it. <laughs> I hope it was even more awesome than uh, what it looked like from you know from that trailer at the end of August. We saw some very interesting things. Also I will I will mention we, we talked about it a little bit earlier. I think I hope that was when we were still recording. You have to understand the balls that I think it it's going to take to even adapt to even slightly adapt One More Day yeah. into movie form. I, I certainly hope, listen, um, I was not a huge fan of Civil War as a comic either. I think that that uh, comic was not great, especially the way it ended. Mm-hmm. They adapted it into a pretty damn good movie. Mm-hmm. They took what worked about that and used it and then kind of, you know, sh- jettisoned what didn't work about it. I'm hoping they do that. If, they're, if they have anything Thought if there's if it seems as much as what it looks like from the trailer that they're adapting one more day, I hope they take what worked about that and kind of do away with everything else. This is going to be a lot of fan service. I hope it's wrapped up in a good, it's still wrapped up in a pretty good story it seems like the Marvel Cinematic Universe is kind of all in on the concept of a multiverse as, you know, as they're presenting it. Mm-hmm. We've seen that if anybody's watched like Loki on Disney+, Plus, they're pretty all in on the concept of a multiverse, which kind of makes sense because I guess the question of, a lot of people posed the question when Avengers Endgame ended, the question was, where do you go from Thanos? Where do you go from a threat to, you know, something that threatens to destroy the entire universe. And I guess Marvel's answer to that was, well, we present a threat to every universe. Yeah. You know what? I applaud the uh, the boldness of that and I applaud the uh, the guts that it takes to follow through with, you know, something that big and to take what was an unprecedented sort of thing in movies in general with, you know, how they executed, you know, Avengers Endgame. Yeah. And raise the stakes on that. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. This seems to be the beginning. There's gonna be some far-reaching implications, I think, from from this, you know, the Spider-Man movie. I'm hoping for a couple of surprises. They've alluded to a couple. I'm hoping. It's very hard to keep a secret in 2021, man. It's oh, no kidding, dude. It's very hard to keep a secret. So you know what? I'll be happy for any secret, any surprise. If I'm surprised in any way by this movie, I'll call that a win. Yes, sir. You yes, know? sir. Because it's just so hard to keep anything under wraps right now. Like you know. This there's cameras everywhere. There's social media everywhere. Everybody's got a camera and a computer in their pocket. It's very hard to really surprise anybody anymore with yeah. uh, entertainment, with pop culture. So I'm kind
0: of looking forward to being surprised uh, is kind of the last thing I'll say about that. Yeah, well... Speaking of the multiverse and that being a concept, I cannot express to the listeners how just in awe that I am that we have a series on the Disney Plus channel right now for What If... I just, it it just boggles my 12-year-old mind that the What If comics that I was reading would even translate to something that would go onto the small screen. Like, I never thought I'd even see it. I never thought I'd see the day. And for the past three weeks, me and my daughter have sat down and watched the What Ifs series on Disney+, and I can't be more thrilled with the fact that I get that opportunity to do that. So when it comes to Spider-Man, No Way Home, I hadn't, I heard the, uh, trust me, the Radulich and Broadcasting Network uh, chat blew up as soon as the trailer hit. Uh, I'd never had a chance to watch it up until I think it was yesterday in the afternoon. And the only reason I did was because my daughter says, dad, let's watch the trailer. I've already watched it. Have you seen it? And I'm like, no, I haven't. And she's like, let's watch it together. Uh, well, it's there so was, great.
1: There was like the ridiculously low res, like, you know, video of somebody Leak. else's video trailer that I refused to watch because I'm like, I'm not I'm not watching this postage stamp sign. <laughs>
0: Trailer. Like, that's
1: just no way to watch something like this. Then I found out they like, OK, they Marvel actually released it. OK, yeah, fine.
0: yeah I saw the grainy uh, uh, thumbnail and I was like, I didn't, I didn't, I even, had... I didn't even bother. No, nope, like, no. Nope. Nah. So, yeah, my daughter, uh, you know, it's it's great to uh, my my daughter's a big Tom Holland fan. She loves uh, and, and uh, you know, I can't I, I won't uh, I won't belabor the point. But, you know, taking her to go watch Infinity War and watching her have a break. Down in the theater and then all the way home because Tom Holland, Spider-Man died. It, it, I, I, I got to say that my heart felt a little bit of glee when the fact that I understood she was that emotional over a comic book movie. If you give them a reason to care, I don't
1: care what age, what generation, what, whatever. You give them a reason to care, you give them a reason to be emotionally invested, and they will, they will react.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So anyway, yeah, I, you know, I'm excited. I mean, dude, we just talked about Spider-Verse and uh, all the boxes that checked for me. Now, just go ahead and take those boxes and check them over there for the movie uh, No Way Home. Because we're getting, we we can see in that trailer, uh, Dr. Octopus Uh, from amazing or not amazing Spider-Man 2. That's the wrong Spider-Man from uh, from Spider-Man. Although,
1: although depending on what rumors you believe and what names you've heard being thrown around.
0: Yep. Amazing Spider-Man universe may not be completely forgotten. That's right.
1: In all this. That is right.
0: So yeah, it's it's. I'm. I can't wait to see it, man. I'm. I'm really excited. Uh, I know that most likely that will be a movie. I don't go to the theaters very often, and this is a, of course, within the last year. I think the only theater I uh, went to was a very, very remote showing of Back to the Future last year. That was it. That, of course, but that was it. Uh, And so we haven't seen anything in the theaters since then. And I guarantee you. Spider-Man will be on the list, so uh, yeah, man. Well, Benjamin, I cannot thank you enough for coming on here. The the uh, we've spent three and a half hours recording, which is we did yeah. it. We <laughs> I, I can't believe we did it. I can't believe we <laughs> pulled it off. We did it, man. Uh, so let's go ahead and we will get into plugs. So. Hey, it's plug time, and you all know what that means. This would be a good time to plug the sponsor of the W2M network, and that is Grammarly. For you, the listeners of source material, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com w2mnetwork. Again, that's getgrammarly.com w, the number 2, network to download Grammarly for free. Benjamin J. Cologne, I know you. You've been frequenting cons here. At least you've been to a couple that I've seen that you've shared on Facebook. People probably want to find out where they can get some of your stuff, maybe uh, commissions, whatever. What do you got going on with yourself there? What would you like to plug?
1: Yeah, um, I just uh, about I guess it's a week and a half now. I um, I did MegaCon in Orlando, Florida. Is my first con in two years mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. It was uh, you know it was a good time. Made a little bit of money, sold a couple of you know, comics, sold some artwork, met some people, uh, some new people, some old people. Got to meet some Radlitcher Broadcasting Network friends. I got to meet Mark Radlitch and his wonderful family, and uh, that was an awesome experience. And I got to give them a copy, or not a copy, actually. I got to give them um, the original artwork to one of the Long Road to Ruin title cards awesome. that I did for him. Which, you know, I told them, it, you know, I know they'll they'll treat it right. And it'll, oh, yeah. they'll, it'll, it'll get, they'll, it'll be seen a lot more on the wall in their home than it would be in my uh, portfolio, which is usually uh, stuck in a drawer somewhere. <laughs> so that was that was great. I'm glad I got to meet Mark and his family, who were very wonderful. Um, I got to meet uh, Alexis Hanya, who was my booth neighbor. She was literally like, you know, like about 50 feet away from me all weekend. Um, You know, we uh, we got to, to hang out a little bit. That was pretty cool. I got to also spend some time with, uh, you know, members of my family who uh, come on and help me with my booth. I say now that they're all over 18 and legal adults. I know I used to call them my child labor. Now they're my young adult labor. <laughs> I got to go get Um, something to eat. Watch the booth. Yeah, pretty (laughs) much. Well, it's more like, you know, I got to go. I got to go to the bathroom. Watch the the booth. (laughs) Um, But if any of them are listening, I love each and every one of you. And I'm so thankful that you guys have uh indulged your uncle's uh insane pursuits in uh exhibiting at conventions and i hope you guys all had a good time aside from that will you know my con schedule is kind of up in the air i want to do east coast comic con whenever they come back but they have not announced the new date yet i will probably do MegaCon 2022 there at the end of may next year Everything got moved to August this year. Everything's moving back to the spring next year, mm. once again, for obvious reasons. Aside from that, if you guys want to find me online, uh, it's a little bit easier than it used to be. See, so, yeah, I used to have to plug all kinds of different things. Now, uh, I kind of streamlined it. I simplified it. I am Epic Benjamin J, E-P-I-C-B-E-N-J-A-M-I-N-J. On all the things that includes Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. I kind of went insane uh, with the uh, Twitch channel and the uh, live painting and live drawing. Over the past couple of months, um, what I expected to be kind of a two-week hiatus in May actually turned into a whole last summer vacation, and I <laughs> haven't stream I haven't streamed since the end of May on Twitch. But I'm hoping to get back to that. I started what I'm hoping to be a series. I'm working on a a Spider-Man versus the uh, Sinister Six series of paintings. Nice, nice. nice. Spider-Man versus Electro, the one that I did while I was at Megacon in Orlando, is on my Instagram page. I'm going to do one for the other five members of the Sinister Six, and I'm going to have prints made of those as an entire series that I hope to sell at future shows. I'm looking into horror conventions because I did a whole series of new horror creatures and monsters. We got Chiller Convention, right? You know, in the uh, New J- New York, New Jersey tri-state area that I'm thinking about getting involved in. Everything is kind of up in the air, but I feel like things are coming back down to earth a little bit more than they seem to be uh, at the beginning of this year.
0: That's good. Um,
1: the most important thing is I'm working on my uh, my new comic book series. It's it's called heroes one and all i would like very much to have it finished to be released next year that's not a guarantee but it's a goal and i certainly hope i will be able to meet that goal but uh you know keep following me on uh, social meds and oh. uh, you'll be able to Find that out for sure, whether or not I've succeeded in that. I hope not to disappoint any of you.
0: All right. Well, uh, yeah, you can follow me at StizNarchy on Twitter. Uh, we do all sorts of different shows here on the Rattlitch and Broadcasting Network. So I know that myself, uh, I'm involved in a show called The Unspoken Issues. Well, it's called Unspoken Issues. That's a 90s comic-centric podcast. And uh, usually it's me and Chris Armstrong or me hanging out with Dean Compton and Derry Wade. Uh, just recently uh, and you can go back in the archives I know this is a good ways out from when we're recording this but we just finished uh, and uploaded our second episode on Transformers Generation 2 today we covered all 12 issues of that and six issue episodes a piece or six issues a piece each episode and two episodes but anyway a lot of fun I learned a lot about Transformers I got I'm I'm about one of the biggest casual Transformers guys I know the I know the big players but getting on that podcast with Dean and Derry. Ooh-wee, I learned a lot. And Transformers Generation 2 was definitely a... St- step outside of the comfort zone that I'm used to with Transformers, and that was okay. Uh, But uh, yeah, you could check that out. Check out the Source Material Comics archive as well, but uh, shout out to the Radelich and Broadcasting Network as always, and of course the W2M Network for hosting the podcast. And I think that will bring this discussion of Spider-Verse to a close. That's Benjamin J. Clone. I am Jesse Starcher. This has been the Source Material Comics Podcast. We will catch you next time. Have a good one. Uh, bye bye. Thank you all for joining us. Make sure to give that Radulich in Broadcasting Facebook page a like to stay up on top of all the great podcasts we have to offer. We are at home on Spreaker, but you can also find us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and recently we have hit the air on Spotify. Find your favorite podcast platform and type in R A D U L I C H to subscribe for some great content. If you enjoyed this show, please feel Feel free to share and spread the word. And as always, we appreciate any feedback and look forward to entertaining you again soon.